Welcome, dear listener, to the seventh in our series of Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, where we will be buckling on our navy whites and saluting a few good men. Welcome, dear listener, to the uh, Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, part seven in our Rob Reiner run. I'm Hugh. One more and I get a set of steak knives. <laughs> and I'm Dr. James Evans, Esquire. I'm sorry I lost you your set of steak knives. <laughs> hey, we've won, haven't we? Oh, all this, that wonderful script, that script that fizzes and we come back with the steak knives line. <laughs> Screw that truth line. We're Screw Philistines. you, Jack Nicholson. I want, I want we, to... <laughs> we don't deserve to watch this. <laughs> we don't deserve the truth. Oh, no, that's good, that is. Well, yeah, but, you know, it, it's a film with plenty of good lines. It's an Aaron oh, Sorkin scripted film, so what do you expect? Yeah, his first, first scripted film as well. First, yeah. That's yeah, so where it all began. So, yeah, to recap, we are going to cover um, the was it 1982 classic, A Few Good, yeah, Men. Few Good Men. And this is obviously the last of the Rob Reiner run that we're going to be looking at. Um, so, you know, obviously Misery, When Harry Met Sally, The Princess Bride, Stand By Me, The Sure Thing, This Is Spinal Tap. What a run. Yeah, what, a, what a way to have a finale. What a way to stick the landing is with A Few Good Men. Yeah, I mean, I am tempted to suggest that we also do a North podcast as well, because that's the next film that he made. We see, ironically, North would fit very well in our in our former podcast, Weekend at Crombies 1, where we actually look at really bad films that did the bomb. So it's true, actually. It could be well, a companion piece. Former. Former? Former. Ten more years, as in, as in, Ten as in, more years. As in one that, one that runs before. In oh, fact, yeah, we, what we need to do is we, need to, we could do North, and then that's what's called cross-promotion there, James. We could, oh. we, we could, we could harness our 12 listeners to Weekend at Crombies 1 by doing North and say, if you've enjoyed this, listen to the rest of our Rob Reiner series on Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold. I hadn't thought of that. That's, that's why that's, you are the marketing manager. That's the kind of marketing powerhouse you're locking into here. <laughs> Fantastic. But we digress. Mm. And uh, but, but speaking of digression, as is our wont, we're going to not do the, the full synopsis no. of this. because Everybody's seen a few good men, haven't they? Everyone, apart, apart, from yourself. apart from myself, who well, I've seen it now. Seen it now, so that's that's ticked the last box, hasn't it? Every, <laughs> I'm everyone, the last person to have seen a few good men. Everyone of a certain age who's now drawing breath and has been anywhere near a screen of any kind is now familiar with a few good men. <laughs> yeah. But let's 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 jump right into it. Um, so yeah. what we have here is again a legal drama. We should again we're not going to do the recap, but we'll say the uh, after the opening stinger, which we'll get it back into in the in the, the synopsis. Um, we are treated to some of the best uh, rifle twirling I have ever oh, seen. Oh goodness me! It's, wow. a, it's I'm I was aroused. <laughs> it's, 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 it was incredible, wasn't it's it? Whole, it's all dress parade of Marines um, in their kind of the, the mm. posh Marine um, parade uniform with these. Um, I assume not contemporary because they're like wooden rifles um, with these bet. nice nice white uh, band. Uh, I'm, I'm got all the military terms here. The nice white yeah. you're, dr- you're drooling, aren't you? Hugh? <laughs> I've got to say that um, it, it wasn't. It's not just the way it looked as well. It's the way it sounded. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
This is the whole domino effect of flicking and clicking and you know, like, you yeah. can you can keep your rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch military pomp. I would like to watch gymnasts with rifles. There's probably, there's probably some kind of subculture for that, isn't there? Yeah, oh, I'm sure there is. Just Google it on YouTube. I'd rather not. I don't want that on no, my bad. No, no, but again, it's um, it's it's like ASMR, isn't it? You can, it oh, you, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's about 30 seconds. I could have watched five minutes of it. Quite yeah. Happily. Yeah, um, me too. Nonetheless, so this whole thing is an entire—it's a—it's a, it's a trial. It's a—it's a—the whole thing is based around a trial. Two Marines are accused of murdering another Marine, and in fact, um, the wonderful thing about it is that no one disputes this. No one disputes that these two people did the thing that caused the man yeah. to die, and everything else around it is their motivations. Why do they do it, yeah. and are they right to be held guilty for this? So, um, and it, it ties in things like ethics and honor and codes oh, yeah. in, into that principle as well, which is yeah. really good. So the two uh, the two Marines, uh, Lieutenant, uh, sorry, Lieutenant uh, Lance Corporal uh, da Dawson and Private Downey, um, are accused of murdering this Private Santiago on Guantanamo Bay uh, barracks. Mm. Um, it, again, interestingly, Guantanamo Bay probably means a lot more in the pub public lexicon now than yeah, it does in 1992. Um, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it was ironic. Like two Marines have killed someone through torture <laughs> on Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. What? Just just wait ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a very big docket coming out there. Anyway, not much less. So these two guys have been um, have been accused of murder, and they actually don't. They don't. Um, they they, they disputed, did they? they? They took a private. They um, yeah. stuffed a rag in his mouth, taped it up, and he started choking on his own blood. And they don't. And so he died. So they didn't murder him, but they certainly. You know, they they said they were going to tie him up and shave his head. Uh, yeah, for it's kind of hazing, isn't it? I guess yeah. in that we'll regard. Come, but, as an official but, name, we'll come to it. But uh, but at that point in time, you don't know that though, do you? It just looks like he's being murdered, or at well, least. You know, well, this, very this, yeah, this is the thing. The, um, the uh, before we have the wonderful twirling, um, we see that's that very scene. The scene yeah. that everything hinges on is uh, Santiago lying in his bed. Dawson Downey appear to him quite terrifying in the dark. Tape him up, stuff the rag in his mouth, and I think and he, and he starts choking, and that's it. So if if you know this isn't a flashback, this isn't a, no, a kind of someone's it's version. It's this is thing. this is what is being shown to us, which is again something that's reiterated throughout the trial. Is everyone says these are the facts and they're not disputed, and nobody, nobody, not the defendants, not the no. prosecutors, the defense, no one says this didn't happen. So which is so we've we've got again quite well, a, and it happens in the first thirty seconds. It's a very very effective framing device. Yeah, and it also gives us something to chew on because yeah, we're, we're not we're not saying someone else did it. We're not saying you know it was an accident. We we saw what happened. So. Well, this all begins with uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, uh, played by Demi Moore, uh, who's in the JAG Corps, which is basically the Army's legal division. Um, and she, she's she got the case and she wants to be put on the case, but um, instead it's assigned to uh, a uh, Tom Cruise playing Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. Yes, who's the epitome of cockiness. Absolutely. He's, Sickening. He's, he's a, he's a, Clearly an intelligent, but also a very um, lackadaisical lawyer because he's we, we first see him as he's uh, playing in a softball team, uh, also cutting a plea bargain at the same time yeah. and doing it. Arrogant, isn't he? He's he arrogant. Really, yeah, and he wins by plea bargaining. He's so yeah. good at the law. He can just um, he can just breeze through anything and get through it. So he doesn't need to go to court, does he? Yeah, because he knows the law so well, and he he knows you know you can you, know, you can basically his I think his line is you know to these opponents you can you know settle now or I'll you know we'll spend the next three months going blind yeah. with paperwork yeah. for you know for the sake of an extra I don't know, month on the the sentence so you know just deal with me now, so he he has assigned this case along with his uh, friend and colleague um, Lieutenant Weinberg who's uh, played by. Um, Kevin, Kevin Pollack. Pollack. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, a, a point to the uh, to the cast, which goes very deep. Oh, we'll come to the casting. Yeah. 
so anyway, so I'm, I'm now getting into the, uh, the, the bones of it, but uh, <laughs> the point is that um, they, they, Demi Moore kind of muscles away onto the case as well. They, they, they rub up against each other um, the wrong way, and there's, there's a bit of uh, posturing and a bit of, you know, she thinks he's slapdash, he thinks she's, you know, um, bossy, <laughs> this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's and only until they actually go to Guantanamo Bay to do some basically preliminary investigations where they speak to uh, Lieutenant Kendrick, who's Santiago's lift, um, commanding officer, was played by Kiefer Sutherland. Very, very sinister turn. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the two commanding officers, um, which is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Markinson, played by J.T. Walsh, and the actual commander of the base, Colonel Nathan Jessup, played yeah. by Jack Nicholson. So um, J.T. Walsh playing a good guy, yeah, to a certain, which is unusual. Kind of a good guy, yeah. Kind of a good guy, yeah. yeah. Jack Nicholson perhaps playing to type. <laughs> so yeah, basically they're they're going they're going through the motions of all this kind of stuff. But it is, uh, but um, Galloway isn't. She's kind of pushing for yeah. because they, she's now learned the term code red, which is apparently the the unofficial basically um, corporal punishment that the the men inflict upon each other. If, if one Marine steps out of line, then the other Marines red, isn't it? get him back yeah. in line, usually yeah. by punching him a lot or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's as, or doing some kind of physical, again, tying the weapon stuff in a rag in their mouth, as with Santiago. Um, so Galloway's pushing on this and basically gets torn off a strip by Jessup. And then um, Kathy, who's basically making quite nice in terms of, I'm sorry to bother you, Colonel, yeah. also gets torn off a strip and kind of either gets under his skin but also alerts him something isn't quite right and the, the next alert is as he keeps pushing for plea bargaining because he's like i can get him off with 12 years you know 12 years for involuntary manslaughter is you know quite good um but then he actually managed to get it down to two years only serving six months and he yeah. cannot believe he's been given this deal incidentally his the opposing counsel the uh, the council prosecution is played by kevin bacon so this this it, cast it, goes deep it really does yeah. yeah yeah and so he's he's suspicious all of a sudden isn't he because wh why well, he's, has he gone from 12 years to yeah. two he's partly overjoyed as well because yeah. like, i do yeah. having two marines undefined uh, undeniably having murdered someone getting off with a six-month sentence mm. he's, he's literally saying actually when he when he presents the case to them he's literally grinning and expecting yeah. to be uh, yeah. lifted in the air saying, look guys i did this for you and they're uh, actually distraught aren't they well they're not they don't want to do well, it they don't want to, well, yeah, to get distraught's the wrong word they don't yeah. they, they, they haven't done any they haven't done anything wrong have they that's what their view is even though we've seen yeah. the murder yeah, I mean, it's it, it's all basically it's around um, Lance Corporal Dawson. Dawson is is the Downey is basically kind of an imbecile, <laughs> whatever yeah. Yeah. Dawson says. But Dawson is is the beating heart of this case, and he says, you know, well, I'm, I'll, I'll if I go if I go to prison for life, I'll go to prison for life. But I'm not going to say I did something wrong when I know I didn't. Mm. Um, and so he won't take any plea bargain whatsoever. He wants his day in court. So. Um, Cavie's prepared to junk them and say, look, I'm not going to represent yeah. them. But uh, at the because. The reason he's been offered this fantastic bargain is because Jessup is is a rising star. He's going to be on some big, important security committee. He's, he's hugely important in the army and in politics, and he's they're being offered these deals just to make this go away, to get rid of any stain of impropriety. Um, yeah. So and, and if, the, the film hints at a, a, a bigger conspiracy, doesn't it? It doesn't quite go down that road, yeah, but it certainly yeah. hints at it. Yeah, and of course, again, Kathy knows if he suddenly starts, if, if this goes, he's inside of a courtroom, yeah. um, he could be in trouble too because yeah. he's starting to take pot shots at the system. But um, again, something in it, something in him um, does it, and he he sticks with his clients and says they're not guilty. So then, second he, off, he does it. He, he, yeah. he does it because he's he's one of these characters that is driven by his ego, isn't he? And um, the, the Demi Moore basically says to him, you know, you. you you, you nothing like your father because his father was also a, a, a you know a well, incredibly famous he was, he was, yeah he's like an yeah. attorney general i think yeah. he, was, he, uh, he can't handle that can he, he can't yeah. handle that um slight against him 
yeah his, yeah his father looming over him is he's dead now his father but he was like an attorney general he did civil rights cases he was a legend um and yeah that's that's one of the, the reasons he pushed into it and basically that and the fact that he basically said why would they give it a huge case to a junior officer who had a record for plea bargaining the steak knives comment is the fact he's plea bargained 44 cases in a row um and one morning it's a set of steak knives um so he's basically saying you know let, let's see what happens and even though he's okay so the, the case begins and it's it's great there's lots of that now the courtroom setting and um, mm. is magnificent they interview the they interview kendrick they interview some of the the officers and they go with cuba this. gooding jr i know it's, <laughs> and who's literally there for one scene just saying yeah, yeah i'm a marine i don't like uh santiago yeah and, that, and the um so the yeah the uh the, the the case basically hinges on the fact that um dawson and danny did this thing they um but they were given an order to do so by their lieutenant who was in turn given an order by the colonel and if the, yeah. and the order was administer a code red and the code red is basically an illegal order um that basically says one one marine can beat up another and, and inflict yeah. this punishment on them to bring and, them back in life and santiago is is having this inflicted on him because he's effectively a terrible marine and i mean in terms of physically a terrible marine he can't keep up but he's also seen um i think it's dawson isn't it uh no he's seen um down is, is, there's dawson is it dawson he's seen yeah. dawson fire a shot into cuban territory um and has basically written letters to um various um you know uh, in in america various um kind of uh, military um I suppose ombudsman. That's probably not the right word. Yeah. No, he's, he's, again, he's going right into a senator. He's right into yeah, to, exactly. Basically, as, as Jesse says, he's right into well, Santa saying, Claus. Get me off! Get me yeah. off Guantanamo Bay because I'm rubbish. And by the way, if you do, I can give you the name of someone who has shot into enemy territory. Yeah, like I say, and that's says, why he's, he's got a code red. He's writing. He's writing letters to everyone but Santa Claus to to get him out of there. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason actually, he's getting the code ready is because yeah. he stepped out of the chain of command. He didn't he report out it. Of the chain of command. And, and that's why, for instance, his mouth was taped up because code reds were also symbolic. If you because there's, there's talk about other code reds. If you're seen to be, I guess, um, stealing food, you're deprived yeah. of food. If you drop yeah. your rifle, glue is put on your hands. Yeah. And if you go outside the chain of command, your mouth is gagged. But I mean, perhaps this wouldn't have gone as far as it had if it's the principle of the code reds that's the issue because. There's a scene earlier on where um, Nicholson and J.T. Walsh uh, are in are in the office with um, Kiefer Sutherland as well, and um, they're basically saying, "Don't, we're not going to send him off off the off Guantanamo Bay because that would be a dereliction of duty. Um, I absolutely want him to stay here." But then, afterwards, it transpires that the code red was given. But the code was given as part of the training. As part of it, yeah. They're going to, to straighten him out again. It's, it is implied that Santiago might have had a heart condition that well, a yeah. that, that, that contributed to the death because um, it it affected the rag stuffed into his mouth yeah. and also the reason why he couldn't actually perform his duties as a marine because he was so fatigued and and this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but yeah, so the so the whole case is hinging on um, were they ordered to give a code red in fact code red is instantly even though it's illegal everyone's speaking about it quite openly when they interview the enlisted yeah. men they say oh yeah i was given a code red oh yeah i was given a code red yeah. um, and this kind of stuff um but no officer is allowed to admit that they sanctioned it that's that's the part of it so um it's a good scene there's a good scene with kevin bacon in in interrogating um one of the marines on the played stand. by noah wiley played by noah wiley pre-er no wiley yeah, yeah. yeah. um 
he he basically says uh you know um sh show me show me in the manual where the code read is well i can't because it's like an unwritten rule and then um tom cruise comes up and says show me in the manual where the mess hall is yeah well, well i can't but you know where it is don't you and it's that kind of principle which is it's an unwritten it's an unwritten code isn't it he says yeah you've never had a meal he goes no i haven't a meal he goes well how do you know where the mess hall was because well i just followed the crowd at shout out yeah exactly <laughs> um, and again the, the scene is brilliantly played because um yeah kevin bacon is presenting him with first the uh, the marine corps manual and the guantanamo bay manual and as he gets you know gets his answer there is no mention of code in there he walks back and says you're a witness and um tom cruise just passes by him and snatches the book out of his hand yeah. in one fluid movement just saying show me where the mess all is in this book as well yeah exactly so it's a wonderful rebuttal piece. It is. yeah um and again the, the the second half of the film is full of courtroom drama like this it's 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 wonderful well, it's, it's it's courtroom drama interspersed with what i really like in courtroom dramas which is the workings that go on in the flat in the evening while they try to work out what the case is Yes, that's the because they're they're planning because this is it, the because uh, they're now Kathy um, Galloway and Weinberg um, are now yeah. a little team and they are in his house all for three weeks solid brainstorming and planning out and trying to construct their defence. There's like um, a little blackboard that on it says things like code red. Yeah, is no, it a conspiracy? Yeah, who like ordered it? <laughs> yeah, and this kind of stuff. And in fact, it, the conspiracy does escalate because. Um, we find out that Markinson, who was the, the um, executive officer of, of Guantanamo Bay, has gone missing very soon after their visit. Yes. And he was going to be a key witness to them, but um, he's gone missing. And apparently, given that most of his military speciality was counterintelligence, he probably won't get found if he doesn't want to be found. But he does turn up in the back of uh, Caffey's car, um, basically riddled with guilt, um, although you wouldn't tell from JT Walsh JT no. plays it. He's playing it basically very muted and like you know he's almost a broken man already because it was you know, his responsibility to look after Santiago and he failed in that duty um, but he says he'll testify and what he's testifying to is not just the code red but the cover-up which is really what the, the word it hinges on because um, the uh, the what happened was the um, after Santiago died the doctor on base basically said, I don't know how he died. And then two hours later, it's like, oh, he was um, poisoned. He was poisoned. Yeah. Um, so it implies he was got to. Also, they um, they said, oh, you know, such a shame Santiago died. We were going to fly him out on the next plane out of Guantanamo Bay at six o'clock. Well, we know that isn't the case because um, well, we uh, Jessup has already case. said, we're going to keep him on the on 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 the um, on the Guantanamo Bay. Yes, yeah, so we the audience know this, but he, but their line of defence is Santiago was going to be flown out because yeah, um, he was in danger to he was in danger, and of course we were doing our duty. It's just a shame that Dawson and Danny took matters in their own hands. But there was apparently a, another flight that went out even earlier that has now disappeared from the logbooks and the flight records. Um, so there's a cover up going on basically to, to that none of the stain falls on Jessup. And uh, to be honest, the cover up is getting worse than the uh, the crime itself, because you know, what you what you previously had was two lone uh, actors who um, who killed someone in a hazing. But now it's gone back to the colonel of the base is doctoring flight logs and coercing yeah. doctors to say certain things. Yeah. Um, and this is what it's all expanded to. And Markinson can testify to all of this. Except for the fact that once, but Markinson is so riddled with guilt, he commits suicide. He puts on that, he, even though he's in protective custody and he's got agents outside the door, he manages again, as Tom Cruise says, to get in a full dress uniform and get a nickel-plated revolver and put it in his <laughs> mouth and fire a bullet in his head. I mean, that's impressive. It also, yeah. should be worth saying that the Doctor is played by Christopher Guest as well. Oh, he is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is of the Slimal Tap <laughs> and many other things. Yeah. So they were. So we um. So they've lost their main witness. Also, there's some stuff up the fact that um Downey, who was the kind of the junior member, didn't actually hear the order 
that Kendrick gave Dawson to give him a code red. This is also the hinge on Ken basically Kendrick, um, the lieutenant, played by Keith Sutherland, told the whole crew, told the whole platoon, don't give him a code red. You have my orders. And then two minutes later went to Downey and Dawson said, give him a code red. Um, which again, Dawson followed the order. Yeah. So the case has collapsed, basically. They, they, they've lost Not their looking good, is it? No, and even though throughout all of this, um, Caffey's been saying, because Galloway's like, you know, you're really good in court. You're, you're doing yeah. well. We have a choice. We have a chance. He's saying, look, I think you need to brace yourself. We're going to lose. We're going to lose badly because yeah. yeah. he has no illusions. Although I think maybe when Marcus came on the scene, he could, he could taste victory or, he, you know, he's almost there. But he knows now it's over. And the only on card... Drink, goes on a drinking spree, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has to do a good speed. He yells at Galloway. And then yeah. afterwards, because she's marching through the rain, um, he has to pursue her in the rain, saying, will you get in the car? Thinking, you've drank half a bottle of rum. I wouldn't get in a car with I you. <laughs> well, it's like that Hollywood drunk, isn't it? Where they seem to sober up very quickly. Oh, and yeah. actually, when you look at what they've been drinking, it's a small bottle of whiskey or something. <laughs> and you think, well, if that was, if that was in... Britain, it would be it, you'd be steaming. It, you know, it'd be five bottles and some tenant super strong. Well, you know, it'd be that, that wouldn't it? American drunk. Like, That's true because he looks very charismatic. He comes in, he's got a half little bottle of rum there. His, his hair is like up. A hip flask of rum. Yeah, you're right. If you if you were a British drunk, you'd come over with a carry bag, you have a plastic bag with you'd your special down, brew yeah. in it. <laughs> just just sort of cracking open your cans. Oh, you think, yes, <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood <laughs> drunk <laughs> scenes are really, really flash. And they never seem to, they get really, really drunk very quickly on a small amount of alcohol and then recover very quickly. <laughs> Always. And they never lose. Their hair is never out of shape. As you say, you know, I'd look like Rab C. Nesbitt. <laughs> and if you, but if you had to sober up, if you suddenly realised the game was on to sober up, you'd just crawl up on the sofa with your chips and your cans <laughs> and snuggle it. You'd have a little sleep. And in the morning, maybe yeah. you'd recover. But yeah, it's not them. Suspension of disbelief. He somehow recovers. And basically, the, the one card they have left to play is... They can subpoena Colonel Jessup. Jessup. Jessup is the card, isn't it? But it's a hell of a card to play because yeah. as as he's being warned by um by Kevin Bacon, as because because the two defense counsels, this is what I think is great about the film as well. They're not they're not enemies. One is the No, they're not, no. They the respect defense. each other, don't they? And they're friends too. They 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 talk and they, they defend. And and Kevin yeah. Bacon is going, Look, I'm I'm gonna win. Your boys are going down. You can, I can't help that anymore. But if you put Jessup on the stand and you accuse him of ordering a code red, yeah. you're gonna be court martialed as well. So now Caffey is has got real skin in the game. If you put Jessup on the stand, there's real danger now, isn't there? Yeah. And the only way they can win is by getting Jessup to admit the code red. But the only way they can do that is if he puts himself, if Caffey puts himself in actual danger of being court-martialed and destroying his life, basically. He said he'll get disbarred, he'll get court-martialed, it'll, it'll be over if he does this. Um, and even Galloway, who is, you know, rampant for the truth, and actually the way she turned, gets back in the car with him is when he goes, I'm going to subpoena Jessup, says to him before the trial, if you don't think you've got him, back off. You know, yeah, don't this could do be this. very dangerous for you. So now we come to the 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 new the 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 finale, the grand finale, oh. is when Colonel Nathan Jessup comes to the stand, um, and played just superlatively yeah. by Jack Nicholson. This yeah. this whole kind of I don't know ten minute scene, oh, it's just it, it's cooking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. It's it really is. <laughs> and as a Jack Nicholson, as a, at the beginning, um, he's he's very proud of what he's done. He's, he's mm. uh, it's like I say he's um. Yeah, uh, is almost not quite toying with him, but he's he's humouring him, saying, "So you ordered the men to you ordered Santiago wasn't to be touched. Any chance your men would disobey the orders? Thought you were no, wrong. Thought you were stupid." No. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. 
we follow orders we yeah. do that or people die and this kind of stuff so he's double skin then he goes it's funny how that you know um santiago was going to leave the base at six o'clock in the morning he hadn't packed anything and he hadn't called anyone and nicholson's a little bit thrown but he's, um, jessup's not really going to be rattled by this and maybe he's and, an early riser yeah and uh <laughs> and then, yeah he's, he's still keeping his cool and then he um he brings in two two witnesses from an, a ground crew um, where the you know, the mysterious flight that never happened should have landed. They just they just put in the background saying yeah. we got we got these two witnesses to come. But didn't mind them for a second. So he's yeah. he's thrown a bit of a, a little wasp in his head, um, and then he uh, he basically comes up with the line of um, if you why did you order Santiago off the base if he if wasn't you, in danger? You you gave yeah. the order he wasn't to be touched, and your orders are obeyed. The lieutenant gave the order he was to be touched and his orders were obeyed. Yeah. All your men obey orders. Therefore, Santiago was in no danger at all. Why would you order him off the base? And yeah. that actually, Jessup is now doesn't it? He's like, sometimes men take matters in their own hand. He goes, no, no, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you said he was, uh, he was being off the base because he was in danger, grave danger. Um, yeah. This kind of stuff. And uh, basically pushes him so far. He's basically saying. He's um, backed him into a corner, hasn't he? Yeah, and and but he's still got to take the plunge, and he just again he does actually go because at one point, um, he thinks he's he's not going to go for it, and yeah. um, and Jessup gets out of his seat and goes, yeah, cheers, thanks, uh, thanks, Danny, for inviting me here. I love Washington, and yeah. at yeah. that point, Kathy's like, I'm not done with you. Sit down, and that's the point yeah. when he he says, you ordered the code red, you doctored the logs, you coerced the doctor, and you cut the two Marines loose, um, and that's what you did, and then it kicks off the enormous tirade from Jessup. At this point, um, it could go very wrong because he's just done it. Um, Kevin Bacon has leaped out of his seat and said, I, you know, we've, we, Kathy's gone over the over the line now. He has to be caught charges. The judge is saying you don't have to answer this, Jessup. So Jessup has still got a way out, but he's been so fired up by what's been thrown at him. He wants to answer and he goes into the tirade of basically, um, you know, have you ever have you ever um, have you ever shot in anger? Have you ever been on the front line? All this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like I, I am, I am the one that defends the wall. You don't yeah. have the right to question how I defend it. Yeah. Um, I, you want me there. You want me to do my job. You just don't like to think about what I do. And then, and then he says, "I want the truth." Oh yes, you the can't truth. handle it. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want that truth. Yeah. And again, the the truth again is the fact that yeah, he he basically says, I am a. You may think I'm grotesque. You may think I'm repugnant. But yeah. what I do saves lives. What happened to Santiago was tragic, but it probably saved lives. Every, you, know, you do understand this. And then, like, did you order the code red? You're goddamn right, I did. Yeah, and that's the end of it. <laughs> that is it. Because then, well, then yeah, 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 you think it's he, like he thinks he's off, doesn't he? Well, also, you th you think in the in the in movie terms, this is the Death Star blowing up. He scored yeah, his winning yeah, hit, yeah, yeah. and it's done. But he falls. It's quite nice night because he goes back into lawyer mode in terms of we need to stop and initially yeah, order a four one yeah. OC yeah. F rights. The witness has rights. Basically means, yeah, the, uh, they can't interrogate me further because now he's going to be arrested and the jury can't see any further evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Nick, Kathy, uh, uh, not Kathy, Jessup has no. Jessup doesn't. He doesn't. It's not even within his comprehension that he's done anything wrong. Yeah, he's about to march out saying, "I did my job." We all. Why, why is everyone looking at me? Yeah. <laughs> why is everyone looking at me funny? <laughs> uh, and then he, he gets uh, get imprisoned by by MPs. Uh, yeah. He's like, "What?" <laughs> well, it's quite satisfying, isn't it? Well, then, then yeah, then he tries to leap over and, and yeah. to rip off Kathy's skull, <laughs> which is uh, he's uh, which may show that he's um, he's slightly got it wrong there, but. Um, so he's dragged away to be arrested, as is uh, Lieutenant Kendrick. Keith is going to be arrested too. Um, 
Uh, and it turns out, yeah, the two airmen that were brought on to rattle him were basically saying, why, why were they going to testify? Oh, that they couldn't remember a thing about that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a big risk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, even, again, Kevin Bacon, the uh, prison counsel um, who asks this is like, oh, bloody hell, Kevin, you, <laughs> you did well. <laughs> but um, it is just what you say at the end. Kevin Bacon and Tom Cruise, they're friends, aren't they? They they have a friendly chat almost, don't they? Yeah, Kevin Bacon actually leaves the scene going, oh, God, now i got to go and arrest Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, actually, when yeah, when uh, when Caffey is is putting the um the screws on Jessup in terms of, of you know really putting his love nature, actually um Ross is not only saying you know objection and move to strike yeah. this kind of stuff, he then goes damn it Caffey because he knows his friend yeah. is, is destroying his career. Yeah. So it's quite nicely done there. But either way, um, so we we so we think we've won. We we've got the result we wanted, and then the verdicts come in. Um. Dawson and Downey, yep. innocent of, or not guilty of murder, not guilty of conspiracy, but on the final charge, conduct and becoming United States Marine, they're both guilty. And it's mm. like, what? So they're disbarred, aren't they? Well, not disbarred, but... Dishonorably um, discharged. Yeah, that's it. Time, yeah. time already served, dishonorably discharged. And as everyone yeah. files out, they're like, what do we do? I don't understand. What do we do? And actually Dawson, who again is a senior partner, has understood this. He's basically saying, we should have disobeyed the order. It was our job yeah. to stand up yeah. for, for Santiago, um, and we didn't do it. So that's why we're... Um, which sort of, but, and then uh, there's a final, there's a final Sorkin-esque statement, isn't yeah. it? Because you don't it, always wear honour. Honour, it's always like honour isn't always a badge. You don't, you don't, you don't need a patch on your arm to have honour. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But because of course, uh, the other thing we haven't mentioned is that Dawson hates Kathy. Yeah, <laughs> he's not, it's not hu- it's, he, only, he only comes out once. Yeah. Um, when he goes, you're such a coward. I can't believe they let you wear a uniform. But generally, he's been laconic. He's been, he's been um, quiet. He's been staring past him basically, as mm. because Kathy, you know, comes across as a, as a sleazy lawyer um not as a a, a, you know, a navy lieutenant um and dawson is like you know ramrod straight in always in his fatigues um you know complete marine gets unit core god country is my code yeah. um and they don't get on at all because dawson doesn't rate caffey he thinks he has no 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 courage or anything but of course caffey who put his entire career on the line to save dawson has won his honor and finally gets his salute from dawson he goes there's an officer in the room ten hurt yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's very hollywood but it's also i had little goosebumps uh on my arms and stuff at the same time it at was the good. same at the same time as going oh god i, I was also be, going oh yes i think it'd be nice if he just saluted him and we'd have remembered yeah. that he doesn't get a salute. The fact he has to go, there's an officer in the room. It's like, yeah, we we, we get you respect. We, we, we understand it, we that. Get it. Uh, yeah, uh, Dawson played by Wolfgang Bodison. Yeah, huh? this this <laughs> this is an interesting. I think he he was like he was part of the, the film crew, and they just thought he looked like a marine. He was part of the film crew for this, and part of the part of the film crew for Misery, mm-hmm. um, Rob Reiner's previous film as well. And what did he do um, as a film crew then? <laughs> I think he was he was like um the so uh, there's a, f- a few things he did um th- things like just basically kind of production assistant effectively okay. and they couldn't cast anyone or they couldn't find anyone appropriate for what rob reiner thought dawson should be except yeah. for him they were like, oh why don't you yeah. give it a go and he did and got the role it's interesting because he's not the best actor and this and no he isn't is he well and... I, mean, I think it's it's harsh because he's 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 in a film where there's a lot of acting that's what i was going to say he's, yeah. he's in a film with i know you pick a dozen literally a dozen top-notch yeah. actors <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and someone comes in as their you know kind of uh, in their first role um it kind of works because it Dawson work, is I meant think. to be laconic he's enormous as a, as, as a, a marine yeah. as well and he's he's i suppose he in a way he's meant to look outclassed because he is because yeah, and he's meant to look uncomfortable and he's meant to look yeah out of his 
he's, he's meant to look out of place, isn't he? He said he have his world. Yeah, his world. Yeah, you yeah. can imagine if he would actually see him in Guantanamo Bay, apart from the scene when he's when he's taping up Santiago. But you'd imagine he'd be fantastic at it because it is implied Dawson has has the respect of his entire platoon. Because actually, what comes out in the film is he's actually defending Santiago. He's not letting anyone give him a code red until he's ordered to do so. She's so actually protecting him because he's yeah. Um, so it kind of works. I suppose the one thing it doesn't is that um, James Marshall playing uh, like, uh, Private Downey yeah. is a lot more acting Downey. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Um, yeah. And, and maybe that's a problem because if they picked two unknowns, that would have worked quite well because I they'd both be like fish out of water, don't yeah. belong here. About, but I mean, he's, he's, he's playing Downey quite well. He's Downey is meant to be, they call him he's, like a farm He's simple, boy. isn't he? Not quite simple, but he's yeah, he's a, he's an uncomplicated farm yeah. boy um, yeah. who's, who's out of his depth. But he's playing, he's, he's very much acting that, whereas yeah. Dawson is, I guess, <laughs> an untried actor doing his best to, to keep his poker face when, you know, you have Jack Nicholson and, uh, and Tom Cruise flying around in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, quite intimidating, I would have thought. But <laughs> okay. I think he does, a, I mean, he does, a, he does, a, I think he does what he's supposed to do well. Yeah. You know, but you can but imagine, in like, the scenes where he has to act <laughs> a bit, it, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. But then again, you've got, you know, then unknowns like Cuba Gooding Jr. Well, yeah, and Wiley. Yeah. And they, you know, they are equally they kind of plucked out of nowhere, but they're really good. You can, oh, you can tell. Yeah, you can tell, can't you? They're actors. I mean, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. has about a one minute scene. It's ridiculous. But he's good in it. Yeah, it's, 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 it just he goes, uh, were, you, were you on the base? Yep. Um, did you give a code red? Oh, yes. Uh, dismissed. Yeah. It's like, but it's a really good scene. Yeah. But that, that's Oscar winner Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, to, to be in a film with Tom Cruise a few years later. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But also, again, I, um, Talk about that. We'll come to the casting right down to. Um, well, why don't we come to the casting now? Let's, let's do, do that now. now. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start at the bottom. Uh, a, a, one of the clerks in, in Jessup's office who opens the door and goes, "Yes, sir, I'll do it now, sir." Is Joshua Molina, who ended up starring in The West Wing. Yes. That's, that's, that's how. Yeah, down, absolutely. That's how, that's how deep diving the uh, the the. Um, well, yeah, the, you've 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 got as you've got Christopher Guest as the Doctor. You've got Xander Berkeley as the, the oh, Captain, yeah, yeah. Captain Whitaker at the start, who basically gives. Um, Gives Kathy the, the job yeah. of um, of investigating this. I mean, it, yeah, JT. But we, we say this like we say this like you know, Zanderberg was just sitting there get, handing a paper, but he's got a couple of lines, and it's quite good. He's like, um, you know, sit down, Kathy. I know you haven't got a good excuse, so I won't make you invent a bad one. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's quite it's quite yeah. neatly done. Yeah, in for a character with two lines and a character you know, actor. That's Sorkin, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's Sorkin. It, it, it that's Sorkin. Every character in this will be given a line or two that. If they want really? to do something with it, they will. Like I say, they, um, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I say, no, while he's in this in two scenes, the first scene is a bit, he's just driving the Jeep um, and yeah. again, has a, um, some expository dialogue. But in the second thing, when he's again doing things like, you know, I just follow the crowd at chow time. Yeah. He's given something to work with if he wants to work with it. And yeah, look, every, right, actor, yeah. every actor is given some lines to work with. I suppose you say it's Sorkin-esque. It's, I mean, it's Sorkin's first, um, first screenplay. It is, but it was so, based on a theatre production that's, though, that's what i was going to say yeah, yeah. So, so firstly it's a very theatrical piece unsurprisingly yeah. because it's the theater production so i mean the, the the courtroom itself is wonderful theatrical but even the uh, the bits around it it's you can imagine being played on stage and um, like that yeah you really can and actually sorkin is in it as well very briefly he is he's a he's, he's, the, he's the lawyer that, he's no yeah. he's the lawyer he's the lawyer yeah. that He's a lawyer that pricks Kathy's conscience because uh, uh, Kathy is kind of is sitting in the bar before he decides to make that big bid to defend them. And um, he hears a, a kind of a scammy lawyer played by Aaron Sorkin making the same argument that he made on the softball court, as in like, and I told him, you'll spend the next three months going blind yeah. on paper, just take the deal. 
<laughs> and Gaffy realizes, "Oops, this is, this is my moment." Yeah, definitely. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so to yeah, just to, to, to ramp it all off, like say, have it. I mean, it isn't. We'll come, maybe we'll come to the, the huge yeah. casting now. But things like that, Kevin Bacon is the prosecutor counsel. You don't normally get a really good prosecuting counsel in this kind of. If 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 the, if the focus on the defence, you get mm. the defence team and the counsel is basically there to, to do the obvious. But you know, um, he does a really good job. Partly in making the case, you, when he when he stands up and makes his case, you think yeah, he's got a point actually. I'll, I'll yeah. rather than it's got to be balanced on both sides. You get, yes, and, uh, yeah, and you're right. The the you're right. The prosecutor isn't the baddie. Yeah, the normally they're either the bad yeah. or they're, they're, they're the unknown. They're just there to to give the defence something to, to really rail against. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th there's one there's one counter to that, which is a fantastic uh, um, from Anatomy of Murder um, with uh, James Stewart, um, and obviously it's um, he play, he's he's defending uh, you know he's defending someone who is basically stone cold guilty, although they're yeah. not. But anyway, spoiler alert. Sorry, um, <laughs> but the the prosecute if Jimmy Stewart's defendant, they probably weren't guilty. Yeah, well, he's not. He's the defence lawyer, okay. and the prosecutor is George C. Scott. Oof. And again, in that film, George C. Scott, he's not a pleasant or likable character, but he's doing his job, yeah. and he does it brilliantly. And he um, works best. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you know, I, th I find that it, it's if if it's played the other way, where it's good versus evil or black versus white it's too simple yeah isn't it simple this is yeah. a system this is the system being played isn't it yeah so that i thought having him as the um as the the defending is really good because it's i suppose it's not quite a thing okay say it's, it's a fairly thankless task because actually again had an actor not wanted to make as much of it you could just breeze through it you could cast kind of a lesser known actor just to do the rounds mm. but Kevin Bacon does a really good job in it he's a, he's very memorable actually in a memorable cast well um, Kiefer Sutherland does a, a similarly good job as the very unlikable Kendrick yeah as yeah. well you know that kind of southern drawl he's clearly I mean it's alluded to that he's profoundly racist um I mean you know you don't actually see anything but it's alluded to in in, in the film through his family connections etc etc yeah. um and he's a he's a slimy smarmy character um but as you say uh, he's given he's given the tools isn't he he's given the tools with which to perform yeah uh, and you you take you take them and you use them or you don't and I think pretty much in this film most of the cast use them really well yeah Again, it's uh, interesting. Kevin Pollock is, is again good as Weinberg, who's the, uh, the kind of the conscience of Kathy. I suppose yeah. actually Galloway and Weinberg are are kind of the the super. They're the yin and the yang, aren't they? Yeah. It, so G Galloway is the Galloway's the passion, I guess, isn't yeah. she? Whereas um, uh, uh, Weinberg is the realism. He's the realist. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's the one. Um, just saying, yeah, let's not push it. We, you know, we'd be insane to do this. Um, yeah. And yeah, Galloway is the one uh, fighting for them. Although it's interesting how when when they have the clash is that Weinberg is probably more emotional, which you wouldn't again. Um, you, yeah. Because basically um, she says, basically, why do you hate them? Because it's clear that Weinberg is not on Dawson and Downey's side. And he's going, they picked on an innocent, they picked on a weaker kid. That, that yeah. is all this is. Yeah. Even though we're defending them and we're, we're, we've got to give them the fair shout, they picked on a weaker kid. Um, whereas Galloway's thing, I don't know, I, I find it less convincing where she goes, you know, they, they they stand on a wall and they defend us all, which, yeah, I know which is mean. almost Jessup's um, argument as well. Is, <laughs> saying that we're protecting you, shut up and be grateful yeah. for it. But that's one, one of the, I mean, it's again, it's one of the things about the script as well, which is that that scene where he, you know, um, Weinberg says he was an innocent kid. Uh, it's 
without saying anything, it tells you a lot about the character. Yeah. It tells you a lot about the history of the character, maybe. You know, you're reading a bit into it, but perhaps That's he was thought, someone too, yeah. like that. Yeah. Someone who was picked on, you know, someone who was, you know, not part of the crowd, weaker, and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, that's what I got from it too. Also, he's, again, he's um, a, a new father, so he's got a very different perspective yeah. on yeah. what happens when, yeah. again, because, um, you know, Santiago is someone's son, someone's uh, um, child, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's very interesting to talk about the casting. Is he, I think he was going to be almost played by Jason Alexander. Who, <laughs> well, I can kind of see that. Well, that's the thing in 1992 you can kind of see it because he was like yeah. off the back of pretty woman and he'd, he'd yeah. play he'd play that role he'd fit into that role but then yeah. with with historical hindsight if you saw it now you'd think why is george costanza yeah <laughs> doing this it's so completely i say it's, it's very hard sometimes to watch pretty woman and see Jason Alexander yeah. play such an odious villain yeah because he's know. normally such a you know a, a, a hilarious weasel in <laughs> just costanza yeah. yeah so i think it's it's Nothing the film could have done about it, but it's that kind of high fortitude of hindsight where had that happened, it might have just taken a bit away from the film. In, in the same way that I know that James Woods um, auditioned for the Jessup role as well. And yeah, I've got a lot of time for James Woods, but I can't, I can't see anyone else other than Jack Nicholson doing that. Yeah, yeah. Should so we go it's on, good, good casting. Should we go on to the big performances then? Because this, this yeah, as much, it. as good as the cast is, and again, I think JT Walsh is very underrated in it, although he plays yeah. it. He plays it I, I like his, as an actor, I think he's cracking as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, the, he's, 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 he's almost like, yeah, he's the best guy. He's the best actor you've never heard of, really. Oh, I think stuff. he's, the, I think he is actually the person that, he's the actor that defines that statement almost. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, have you seen Breakdown? I haven't uh, Oh, it's an absolutely brilliant film. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. And J.T. Walsh, oh my God, in that film, he is incredible. Watch it, Breakdown. Yeah, it's I think I'm aware of Breakdown. Brilliant. The list. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. But again, this but this film completely revolves around the two stars of Cruz and Nicholson. Um, yeah, it does. It does. And I'm, um, I've seen some kind of reviews of the film that are a bit sniffy about Cruz in, in, in it, in, in comparison to Nicholson. Look, don't get me wrong. Nicholson is... You know he's an acting master isn't he and in this he has some he has some scene chewing um moments doesn't he and he has the memorable moments but i think cruz holds his own you know i think he does i think this is one of the first examples of me really well i, I think i can see in this film the star you know, yeah. a, 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 this is where the star is made almost, isn't it? You know, someone like, I know that Cruz was a big film star in the in the early 90s, but he was he was in things like Top Gun and stuff, like, which are much more that kind of action adventure type thing. This is him acting, isn't it? I also think more than that. Yeah, the, the films he was he was big in were those kind of um, not quite teenager, but certainly coming of age ones. It, was, it yeah, was all the right yeah. moves. It was um, yeah. risky business. It yeah. was it was things like that where things top like ten. that right yeah and yeah. uh, top gun even and, yeah. and even um even what's the the racing one um days of thunder days of thunder it's, yeah, it's very I much agree. if yeah. not young certainly coming of age thing where this he's a it's a proper grown-up he's, he's an officer and he's a lawyer he's good at what he does and and he's he's solid yeah and i think he holds his own him him and him and nicholson in this are i think i think they're equals right yeah and i think that again it's, it's the most memorable line in this and probably you know the most memorable line of cinema that year was was Cruz shouting i want the truth and it's not nicholson nicholson feeds it into him yeah it but does, it's yeah. Cruz screaming i want the truth um it's a shame i think you remember that you want the truth you can't handle the truth more than the t the setup I like because the setup, the, yeah. yeah i like the setup as well i think it's i think it's really good and i, I actually it's it just i was thinking about i was thinking about top gun and tom cruise in this because there's there's a there's a weird connection with Top Gun in this and 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 Tom Cruise's character in both. In the in this film, he's 
overshadowed to a large part by the ghost of his father um, and to unshackle himself from his father's shadow what he needs to do is let go he needs to go for it doesn't he he yeah. needs to really do the bombast he is he 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 becomes daniel caffey whereas in tom in top gun it's the other way around he's in the shadow of his father but to get the best he needs to rein himself in he needs to not be the he needs to not be the the over the top extravagant one that's how he wins in top gun and in this it's the other way around but yeah. it's both the fatherly figure the paternal figure there is the is the big kind of shadow over them yeah it was interesting the line that weinberg gives him after they've, they've after half of the trial basically when he's at his lowest point um because actually when they begin the trial uh, kathy kind of makes a joke saying oh so this is what the inside of a courtroom looks like because mm. of course he's pretty bargain his previous 44 yeah. cases um but weinberg is saying you should have seen yourself in that courtroom uh, you know, if i had to choose between um yeah your, your dad and you i'd pick you every day of the week um, yeah because yeah. you were you were better you should have seen yourself in that courtroom you had them uh, you were you were you were alive in there this kind of stuff so it is if he actualizes um in the course of the trial which is quite a nice moment again because it's funny he's not unhappy when we start in the movie um, no, he he's not, he's he's I think he's content, isn't he? He's very content. He he knows yeah. again, and uh, even actually Galloway, when she when she kind of reads his file and, and, and spits at him, is is completely aware that he's basically cru cruising for whatever word, word. She knows he's going to do a couple of years until he's he's worked out his, his duty to the navy in the military. Then he'll go off into um, some kind of um, nicely high paid lawyer job, and everything is fine for Daniel Caffey and this kind of stuff. And it's yeah. not until I guess he, for the first time in his life, has to risk something. Um, that he realizes who he is. Although you mentioned it, it is a nice thread line. You could imagine that Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway just walked off this film and walked right into G.I. Jane. <laughs> it's like, it's you can, <laughs> can't you? Yeah, you can. Because, like, you know what? I'm kind of, I want a combat position now. I'm going to yeah. fight for that too, because she is very feisty. Um, and, and of course, if if uh, listeners want to hear our view of uh, G.I. Jane, please do listen to our sister podcast, uh, Weekend at Crombies, uh, where we. We shine a light on unloved films. That's some good cross marketing right there. <laughs> um, uh, what I also, I mean, and that, and that's, um, I've got a lot of time for Demi Moore in this film as well. I think she's excellent. I think she's perhaps underused in the second half of the film somewhat. She's sidelined a little bit as she is, you know, she becomes the second. I mean, she's a secondary character, I guess, but she becomes a, she come, she becomes a very secondary character to Tom Cruise's Kathy. I think when we get into the courtroom scene, she has a few scenes, but in general, I I, I think she's kind of sidelined a little bit. I'm not saying it's a bad thing necessarily, but it 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 became quite obvious because in the first half of the film, she is almost the. She, I feel like she's the drive. Yeah. She's she's as I said earlier, she's the passion. She's the thing that keeps the case going. And in the second half of the film, she's she's back a little bit. And I wanted to see a little bit more of her in there again because I think she 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 does a cracking job in this as well. But I think plot wise, you need that. You need I that you because do. yeah, because yeah. if if Kathy's not invested in it, which she's not, you need somebody to care, and she's the person who cares. She's the I, person who cares. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose actually, you're you're right. She she doesn't do much. In fact, she she usually makes a few slip ups in, yeah. in the court. She she does two things. First thing is she um she basically loses her nerve when the witness is being questioned, which again um Weinberg chews her out of saying you, you know, if you object, you put it on the record. You don't even say strenuously object. Yes. Yeah. What does. does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the other thing was she actually didn't um, kind of debrief Downey properly because then um, Private Downey yeah. didn't get the order from Kendrick. Only Dawson did, but Downey 
in his way doesn't distinguish if if he if Dawson yeah. tells him he had an order it's an order isn't it an order's yeah. an order and he'd say yeah. we, we did Kendrick order you yes and the fact he wasn't there to hear it doesn't prove anything in his mind no. but he she really should have figured that out first yeah uh, and absolutely. they get caught out on the witness stand when um they're saying Danny has to admit that he wasn't didn't hear the order so she, I guess I mean that's two slip-ups for her I guess that proves the point that that she had the she had the belief to get them to the courtroom they needed Kathy to so bring it home almost yeah he, they needed him to, they needed him to actualize that's kind of that whole point yeah. if, if she was i think if she was better at the court thing you might be asking well why the hell do they need kathy then because she wanted yeah. to represent them and this yeah. kind of stuff and it's basically she it's shown that she's not a trial lawyer um and that's why they had to have kathy in there which kind of makes sense interestingly actually with the other um the other, again the existence of galloway is there's there's a brief flirtation with the idea of the two of them get together to have yes, a romantic. Yes, there is, and I'm very, very glad that they don't. It was a, it was, yeah, it was apparently cut. Um, there's a couple oh. of things that there they was, because um, the, the only time it's mentioned is when she basically comes over in the middle of the court and says, "Do you want to, yeah. do you want to get dinner? I know, I know some dinner." <laughs> and goes, Are you yes, inviting no, me out for a, for a date? But it never turns romantic. Actually, the reason yeah. they're on a date is because she basically, once again, delivers her resume to him because yeah. she's saying, you know, "I think I want you to think I'm a good lawyer. I think you're an excellent lawyer." So it, it, it's less of a date. In fact, it doesn't get romantic at all. So no. it might just be the fact that. Kat Kathy likes rattling her and this kind of stuff. So it was never, they don't end up slow dancing or anything. So that's but okay. A, that's a real, that's a real, real benefit of the film that there isn't that because I think it, it, it I think it diminishes somewhat the yeah. Galloway character. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Unnecessarily. Uh, doesn't have, there doesn't have to be a romantic connotation to any yeah. of this stuff. And the film was still very successful. So it just shows you don't need it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think it would just take the focus away from what the story is. Yeah. Well, like, apparently the, the, um, yeah, the, um, the film could have ended with, uh, I think, uh, Kathy asking her out on a date and her line would be, wear matching socks, which is the line she gave him to stay in court, yeah. um, which is obviously not as powerful as Dawson saluting Kathy. So I'm glad they, they did ditch that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. apparently this was a note Rob Reiner and Andrew Sor and, and Sorkin was getting from the, one of the producers. And I think the line went along something like this. Um, if she's not going to sleep with Tom Cruise, why is she a woman? <laughs> Oh my god! I know. Well, it's it's not really surprising, but you think bloody hell. Um, well, she is <coughs> the only woman in this film. That is true, and actually, I'll come. To, actually, this bounces quite nicely onto something else to do with it, which is um, uh, there's a she's obviously very driven. Actually, there's quite a funny moment when um when we see her initially when she's rehearsing how she would yeah. like to ask for the yeah. case. It's yeah. like um, I would like to request that it be me who I that I recommend. Yeah. She I messes up in the end anyway, doesn't she? But there's the game where she's like, she's like, she's literally straining at least to get this crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, want to. and um, her commanding officer goes, uh, you know, Lieutenant Galloway, could you get yourself a cup of coffee? I'm fine, thank you, sir. Lieutenant Commander Galloway, could you leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back? <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. But but so basically, she yeah, she is, is relentless, and when they go to um, to Guantanamo Bay, which again she managed to get herself involved because in, she's basically she's not on the case, but she ends up befriending Downey's aunt, who's his legal yeah. guardian or whatever, as next of kin, and gets us off put on the case. So this is what this is why there's that tension in the first place. But she's she's visiting Jessup as well. And whilst Kathy is like, oh, we won't get into your way. Don't worry about this. this is a formality. She's like, did you, was there a code red? Do you want a code red? This is what happens. And she's basically going way over the top in interrogating yeah. Yeah. Um, Jessup over, over lunch. Uh, as Kathy's like, shush, shush, don't, please, please don't embarrass us like this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but even though he's a bit embarrassed and he's kind of apologetic, what comes out next from Jessup is, is he goes nuclear. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's being initially kind of all, yes. you know, hair yeah. fans. So I was going to, I was going to discuss this as well. It's a, I think it's a, it's a vile scene. I don't think it's unnecessary. 
Yeah. But it it's, is it just shows you the character, doesn't it? Exactly. It's full of Bonhomie to start with, but yeah. when but when Galloway doesn't let up, instead of just going, I am a colonel, you're a lieutenant commander, go away. Yeah. He just just sits back and goes off the entire sexist diatribe about women in uniform and yeah. the fact that, you know, Caffey is outranked by by Galloway, so wow, wouldn't it be great if you slept with him and this kind of stuff? Yeah. Super yeah. rank and all this kind of stuff. And it it kind of horrible. It, I mean, it's more it is, it's more vulgar than that, but you know, it's it, it, isn't it? It's very <laughs> vulgar, and he ends up saying that because because I am who I am, it's only the president yeah. who I can sleep with. Yeah, and it's 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 vulgar in many ways. It's it's and yeah. it's so over the top. It actually crushes Gallery because she doesn't reply because it's like what the hell? Yeah, it's it's like the the unspoken has just been thrown in her face. Um, and it does a couple of things. It it it's it's hugely revealing. It reveals him as a villain to us. Yeah. Yeah. And reveals also reveals his guilt because Galloway is asking him the very things um, that he's guilty of. Yeah. And it, so it, rather than just going dismissed, don't talk to me like that, you know, out of line, he goes too far and and actually tips his hand that he's got something to hide. And I think that's one of the moments when Caffey thinks there's something here because Caffey's yeah. next question is, can I have the we flight have, transcript? Yeah, can we have the flight transcript? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't need to ask that because Galloway calls one later saying, you don't need to ask that. You could have you could have asked the, the yeah. clerk for it. Yeah. You asked him because you want to see him if he'd cover yeah. up because that's the first moment when Caffey sees that. But even at that point, Jessup is, he's, he's furious, isn't he? Almost. But he says, I will give it to you if you ask me nicely. Yeah. And you think, yeah, what a, Oh. But also, he then lays into Caffey with his Harvard yeah. mouth, his, yeah. his, his, um, his, his fancy uniform. Um, but but actually, so that's that. And I thought that's a great scene. It's a great character moment yeah. because it's very revealing about all the players who are going to... It's it's like, um, you know, in a, a kind of superhero movie or whatever, when in the first act, they get beaten up quite badly by the villain. Yeah. And they've got to regroup and they've got to come back at him in the finale. But you know they're so outclassed how they're going to do it. So it's, it's yeah. really well it's done that there. bit, isn't it? And, yeah. it, you know, and it, it's fantastically horribly played by Jack Nicholson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's you really know? well done. I mean, maybe, I think, I think you know, we're kind of not talking about Jack Nicholson because it's almost expected, isn't it? But he is exceptional. Yeah. And <laughs> what, what did he do after this, the top down? I'm just thinking, like, this, this, this was yeah. a really good career moment. He was actually really, yeah, it's a good point, actually. He was really annoyed at the um, uh, the producers of this film as well, because they mm -hmm. pushed back the launch of it or the, the release of it to coincide with it, it was. It ended up being released in the same week as his other film that he had out that year, which was Hoffa. Oh, right. and, and basically it 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 smashed Hoffa obviously yeah. out the window and that was forgotten even yeah. though from what I read that's the film that he's most proud of <laughs> yeah so yeah. he was really you know annoyed basically but still you know yeah. um yeah we can't go into it so he's basically he's had like three scenes and oh yeah he's he's, yeah. he's not in a lot no the, the first one is like when he's um but again it's it's like um they said that thing in the uh, the Magnificent Seven is um you know why would I want to play the uh, the bandit lead Tuco he's not in this movie for an hour he goes yeah. no he comes for the first five minutes and for the next hour all anyone can talk about or think about is when Tuco's coming back yeah. and it is the same with Jessup because you you see what he's done and capable of and and all the build up from that is are they going to call Jessup obviously they are but it's like are they what are they going to unleash when they when they set this up yeah it's true isn't it now it's it is interesting because. This so yeah you said what what did he go on after this so look at his 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 films immediately before this right his four films before this right going from earliest to um, 
the, the film directly before A Few Good Men, right? So the first one is Ironweed. That would be with Meryl Streep, I guess, in the late 80s. Then Batman, obviously, you know, big film as the Joker. Then The Two Jakes, which was the sequel to Chinatown, which bombed, I think, really. Wow. Then Man Trouble with Ellen Barkin. Pfft, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? Then A Few Good Men. So I feel, apart from Batman, which is a very different film, he'd had yeah. a bit of a run of trouble, I think. Yeah. After this, it was Hoff. Well, Hoffer was the same year. Then it was Wolf. Oh. with Michel Pfeiffer and then a couple of films which I, I don't think have you know really gone anywhere The Crossing Guard, Blood and Wine and The Evening Star and then he got into a bit of a late career boom with Mars Attacks, As Good As It Gets, The Pledge and About Schmidt and then finally his very late career was in The Departed. Okay yeah because the, the yeah the, the um kind of The Good As It Gets is when they start to play against type and it's like they do and he got an like when, for that as well didn't he? Yeah it's like when you know De Niro starts playing comedic characters it's like they, yeah, they, they've exactly crossed across the boundary there but it was interesting then so this was, was um yes yeah. yeah, this, this is a bit of a standout but yeah so again in, in his performance i mean it's just when he when he's first kind of conspiring with the officers he's he's wonderfully sarcastic to them uh and in complete control like when they um when they say we should just uh, jt um Marsh is saying we should transfer Santiago off the base. He goes, yes, let's do that. In fact, let's transfer everybody. In fact, let's <laughs> abandon our, 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 um, our position in Cuba. <laughs> Get the president on the line. We're abandoning our position in Cuba. He gets someone in, doesn't he, to, to, yeah. to say, Tom, Tom, George, call the president. Tom, yeah, Tom, call the president. And he goes, yes, sir. Goes, Tom, don't minute, call Tom. the president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hold it. Let's think about this for a moment. I think we should train Santiago. He got paid $5 million for 10 days' work. Well, we'll see what this film made. I think that was money yeah. well invested. Well, he, he, you know what? He actually says one of his quotes about the film is it was um, it was one of the few occasions in his career where it was money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really good. Um, th th there's something I, I want to kind of delve into a little bit. There's, actually, there's two things, right? Um, they're, actually, no, they're linked. There's one thing, but they're linked. We'll call okay. them part A and part B, right? Um, so... At listeners will know that this is our second weekend at Crombie's, the Legend of Crombie's Gold um, series. The first one was obviously uh, a focus on David Fincher films. And one of the films that we reviewed in that was The Social Network, which was written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, and that film is, you know, it's it's a classic, etc. And this film is another one of our Weekend at Crombie's two films, this time Rob Reiner, but written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, I think I think that I think that the social network is subtler, perhaps. I think it's more cynical, even you know, despite oh, this yeah. having a healthy dose of cynicism in it as well. Um, I think it's darker, um, but it was a film that we had described as not necessarily what we would expect from David Fincher, um, but it was maybe more of an Aaron Sorkin film. And I want you to know your thoughts on this film, because. For me, the struggle I've had in our Rob Reiner run, as you described it, is finding a definition of what makes a Rob Reiner film. Yeah. And I don't think this helps me at all. Uh, this was helping me clarify a little bit. Um, Go on. So firstly, uh, yeah, I mean, this is almost like proto-Sorkin. It's, it's where you yeah. see all the elements that make up his style starting to come together. You have like that very intelligent character who's able to outshine anyone at a conference table. Um, you have the... Uh, the, the fact that it's not just one clever character, it's many. Like, you know, when um, 
when Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon are walking down the the the, the corridor negotiating, they like, pow, 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 it's, it's back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Everyone gets a good line to fire back. Everyone is very witty and very well informed and is able to give each other feed lines and this kind of stuff. I mean, it's completely it's, unrealistic, but it's very entertaining. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no one is as spontaneously witty or that clever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's it's hugely entertaining. So that's that's kind of the, I mean, that's how you kind of spot a Sorkin thread. And again, it's the set pieces is also a very Sorkin-esque thing. And the legalese too is very Sorkin yeah, thing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's all you can. Yeah, you could have yeah scrubbed the, the the name from the titles, and I could have told you it was a Sorkin thing. Well, again, in, it's a similar thing in the social network, isn't it? There's a lot of legal talk in yeah. legal environments, not a courtroom per se, but it's yeah. it's. Depositions, yeah, yeah. it's depositions, yeah. yeah. And it, that allows lots of kind of yeah, to and fro's and this kind of yeah, stuff. So we've, we've been through all that. I think then, so um, yeah, what what is the the Rob Reiner part of this? I think, and we'll, we'll come to this when we look at other ones. Maybe we'll have down in, in the uh, the chronology. You probably have already heard us talk about this. Yeah. I think it's him bringing other people's work to realization is mm -hmm. one of the things he's he's done a lot of the again the run we've looked at have usually been adaptations mm. um, of things and. And realizations. I think also what he does is very character driven. Um, mm. It's interesting that um, the film after the film after this one, so actually did North, he did The American, yeah, President, American President, which is yeah. again a Sorkin movie and very similar, I think, to A Few Good yeah. Men in its style and its character. And I think a bit underrated. Oh yeah, hugely underrated. Yeah. If this, uh, if, if North hadn't queered the pitch, we'd be uh, we'd be looking at uh, American President in yeah, our we run as well. Yeah, um, yeah So it's it's. So it's very actor driven, I think, his style. You know, if you think about all his movies, it's all about the performances. And he gives the actors the time and the space to, to get those performances. Yeah, he does. And there's a lot less flash, despite the fact that um That's we had a, we had a marine marching band. Yeah. And some fantastic twirling. Um you think about his films, there's not a lot of car chases or explosions or pitched battles or stuff in it. Even even the things that are kind of, you know, battles in the sense of a courtroom battle, it's individual clashes I think or even exactly. sword fights or whatever. It's all yeah. Everything is is very individually around the actors and that kind of pitch. It's it's so it's you're watching wonderful performances and this maybe stands out the most as yeah. as, as a theatrical piece because it was a theatre. So you, you could almost you could almost just film it flat and have the whole thing. Yeah. So like that. But yeah, you look you're at right. It, I think you're right. I think that's exactly the, I think that's exactly it. Go on, you were going to continue. Go on. But yeah, just to finish my point is that he, yeah. you know, look at other ones. Misery is a two-hander. Um, yeah, it is. Isn't it? Harry Met Sally is a two-hander, really, isn't it? You know. Yeah, you can actually. Yeah, Harry Met Sally. If it hasn't meant to play, it really easily yeah. could be. Um, the Princess Bride is very pantomimic. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Stand by Me, you could easily just film that. You know, four kids sitting on a campfire telling stories. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's. I think what he's what he's good at is just working again, working with actors and getting out. He clearly brings actors back in, so they like working with him as well. You're right. Yeah, I, I wrote, I, I wrote down, I wrote down that I don't, I don't think you can identify a directorial style from Rob Reiner in the way that you can with someone like David Fincher. Yeah. And even in, even in the Sorkin screenplay that Fincher has filmed. There's still the flashiness of Fincher in that, I think, in the way that yeah. it's filmed. And I don't think I actually I don't think this film is particularly flashy in the way that it's filmed at all. I don't think the cinematography is flashy. I think they're competent. I think they're good. But I think what Rainer does, he he's I agree with everything you said. He's not flashy as well, but he he has this very or certainly in these films that we, we've, we've looked at. He has this incredible talent for telling a simple story really well yeah you know really engagingly um because as you say i don't i actually i think in other hands all of the films that we've watched could could be disaster they could be boring they could be dull they might not have the 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 engagement with it 
Ryan has a talent to bring you into the film through um, bringing the best out of his cast, um, through having a good eye for a script, obviously, I think. I mean, it's easy in this film, I guess, really, because you've got Sorkin, but bringing, bringing book adaptations into play, not always successfully translated. He's got a good, he frames films really well, and by that, I mean, he structures them cleverly. Yeah. Um, but if you said, is he a flash director? Can, you know, do you, do you can you see the Rob Reiner flashes of skill in in his? I don't. You can't. I don't think you can. But I think he lets the story be told, and that is really. I, don't, I think that's such an underrated skill. Yeah. He just lets the he lets the story because this is quite a simple story. It's incredibly simple because as as we said, the entire story is a court case where you know what the out you know you know what happened. Yeah. No, no one is yeah. sort of uncovering the the who did it or who murdered him. It's like every again, the, these are the facts and they are not disputed. So the fact that everything is woven around it and there's genuine tension and genuine drama yeah. is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um there's one other thing I, I wanted to kind of highlight as well. And you, you you may disagree with me on this. I, I'm I'm not sure. I think that I think that the I think there is a difference between the social network and a few good men. Um, and I know I'm, I'm belaboring the point with the social network, but I'm just using this, the Sorkin kind of connection. Yeah. This is maybe where I think that the, the Reiner aspect suffers a little bit, not in terms of the quality of the film, but in terms of perhaps the respect that Reiner doesn't hold in, in the same way that Fincher does. And I, I think it's because this film, I don't think it really changes the cinematic language, right? It doesn't change the cinematic landscape. Um, but what it is, is just really entertaining. This isn't very, I don't think it's particularly nutritious, you know, <laughs> but you, you know, this this will be a big tasty hamburger that's in front of you that you want to eat and you will enjoy it. And Fincher makes films that I think are, are more, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps more cerebral in his directorial style. This isn't, this is just a really good story told really well. Yeah. And there's nothing, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, that's probably the difference between something like The Social Network, which is darker, which is more caustic, and which yeah. is a stone cold classic. Yeah. Where, whereas this film, I think, is, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's just pure entertainment. Yeah. Um, I think it's a couple of points. On the terms of you guys here, he's, um, he doesn't use flashy cinematography. I thought he used some quite clever stuff, especially with the framing and the focus. Like he will, mm. especially in the, in the, the legal, that's of the, uh, the the court cases, he'd have, say, the, uh, the defendant at the back of the head, like in, in the foreground. Yeah. The uh, cafe would be in the midground and then Ross would be in the background. And the focus would pull from each of them without it changing would. the camera angle. So you could see who was making the case. There were touches like that that were quite well done. Um, I think it's, I th but I, I agree. I don't think, I think it's just not flashy. Yeah. I, think, I think it serves the story doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it doesn't need to be flashy like that. Yeah, there's, there's no epic swoops. I did hear again that they, um, they had to find a courtroom because actually um, military courtrooms are just like grey boxes um, <laughs> and appealing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, mind you, if David Fincher got his hands on that, he'd probably have a wonderfully dark lit grey box with the court was being held. But this is more like a cathedral because obviously um, is, yeah. American legal dramas, they love that that spectacle of that. You know, oh, they the, do. They do. The man doing that. Um, I will revisit actually because uh, there's something I want to um, pick up again um, mm. that followed again Jess Jessup's sexist diatribe, um, and it's it's something I think that actually dates the film quite badly. Um, yeah, because we've said here that the um, 
being Sorkin-esque, every every jibe has a counter jibe. Everything has an answer. La la la. It's it's, it's pow 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 pow. Um, and there is a scene very early on when Galloway is at braiding Caffey, basically saying, you know, if if you jeopardise your clients with your your slick fast food style of legal practice, uh, and she basically blares at him for five whole minutes about how he's you know how he's sloppy, how he you know he's just gonna you know plea bargain all this kind of stuff, and then. She finishes, um, yeah. and um, you know a line is coming. You know that it's, that something he's going, the uh, cafe is going to clap back with a, a zinger line, and he just comes back with, "Wow, I'm sexually aroused." Yeah, yeah, um, and that's it. It doesn't fit well, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't fit well because yeah. it's not funny, um, no. and you and you're expecting something funny because there's other lines that are also funny. It's like in, in other times when she's talked about, you know, I've I've, I've been to see Downey. Do you know what he told me? He goes, um, "If you ever see my clients again without asking me, I'll have you disbarred." <laughs> yeah, and there are other things where he does allude to um, to uh, Galloway Galloway in a in a in a feminine way. He says things like, "And by the way, don't wear that perfume again." And she goes, yeah. "Oh, do you like it?" I was I was talking. I was talking, I was talking to Weinberg. Yeah, you know, so which which actually works a lot better. That's it, fine. It does. It works a lot better. But yeah, I agree. I I winced at that yeah. scene. Actually, it yeah. was it was not. It was ill judged. It was it was ill judged. It wasn't funny, and it put him yeah. almost in the same character as Jessup. I yeah. would probably. If, if you wanted to excuse it, um, and I think it is just of its time, it could have been a funnier line and they didn't use it. Um, yeah. And they're probably trying to, again, just zing that kind of sexual tension there, which they later dropped. It's probably a, a relic of where they chose not to go in the script. Um, yeah. And they didn't have a better cut to, to put in that way. But if you wanted to, to fit it in the logic of the film, you could see actually he made that line because he can get away with it at that point because he's he's cocky and whatever. Yeah. But then he's after that is the scene they go and see Jessup. And if to have that kind of yeah. sexism laid yeah. bare and seeing how ugly it is when, yeah. it, when a colonel is throwing at it, he then basically mends his ways, if you want to look at it that way. But I think mostly it's a it's a sore thumb in a in an otherwise brilliant script. I think you're I think you're finding an excuse for it, aren't you? Because that's what Absolutely, I would be doing yeah. as well. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where you, you know if you can I, if you if you love the script for this film, you almost have to love that bit, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. well, the thing was, there were so many better lines you could have had. Like yeah, they, he had to look yeah. on his face, and what he was thinking was, "Wow, you rehearsed an entire speech just to insult me," yeah, exactly. which is um, which yeah. is on the nose. Actually, we've seen the gallery does rehearse speeches, and what she gives him is a rehearsed speech. She said, "I've checked up about you," and she lists off his uh, his his uh, CV basically, yeah. and then insults him. And you're thinking, someone dislikes me this much um, <laughs> to to. Uh, yeah. Um, and in fact, he says earlier, guys, um, you know, you've only known me two hours. It um, normally takes people weeks to realise I'm not qualified. <laughs> he goes, yeah, so on, he can be quite de he's deprecating, isn't he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's all good. Um, there's 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 uh, we're talking about the, the script again, and and, yeah. and I think there is there are some instances. I think that's a good example of it being. It's obviously a fantastic script, but it's perhaps Sorkin finding his feet a little bit you know yeah. if that's to be honest if that's all can find in his feet you know well done but at the same time i think it's still that there's a couple of other things about the, the script where i think it's it's not top tier sorkin although it's yeah. very very near and it for me it's it's not about what's said it's about well it, well i think sometimes sometimes in this he goes too far in telling us what's happening um and what's about to happen so i think what I didn't need was that I didn't need that whole scene with um, Kathy talking about how he's going to try to get Jessup to admit the code red, you know, because I kind of think to myself, that's the point and actually reveal it at the point at which it happens. 
and I think that would be a lot more powerful. I, I can understand that the I, I can I get it. It doesn't. It's not that big a deal because it's still you're looking for it. Then aren't you? You're thinking, well, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And I think it's maybe part of the flaw of me not having seen the film before, but knowing yeah. that that scene is coming. I know that scene off yeah. by heart almost, even if. I've not seen the film before, so I didn't feel like I needed that to be told. But maybe if this, if I'd watched this when released, yes, I did. The other one is, I, yeah, is, I think I think that scene actually is necessary. I'd argue that it is because if if you don't have that scene, then you've got the colonel admitting a felony because they had yeah, an argument. Because, yeah, because yeah, and I think he's, I think yeah, you need yeah. you need Cavi to spell out the psychology of what he does because he says I think the reason the reason he does in the first place is I think he wants to say it because he wants to admit he made a command decision and it was followed out and I think without that you might be saying it's a bit unrealistic that Jess would admit to that you know just because Cavi said this that and the other so he, he could, I think yeah, it could I, go either way it could go either way I suppose my counter argument to that would be the moment that it's described by Kathy as the tactic, you know it's going to happen. That and is a big thing, actually, yes. You never describe a tactic of a plan if the plan yeah. is the plan. You, that's why it's how you know whether the plan will work or not on TV. If they describe yeah. it, it will fail. And if they kind of whisper in someone's ear, you yeah. know what it is, it will work. And so what it, it, what it doesn't do, it doesn't take away from the dramatic tension of the actual script, and you can enjoy the patter of the argument. Yeah. But for me, what it does do is it, it or, or what I ended up doing was waiting for it to happen rather than being, you know, an intake of breath when it happens. It was like, ah, oh, there we are. That's it. And and I think, you know, for me personally, I would have liked a little. I, I'm not saying you would remove that scene completely, yeah. but you, you, you make it a little bit more opaque and then it's revealed and that would work really well and it's the same thing when in the court at the end and um, Galloway says to, to Kathy, if you don't think you can get him back off. And yeah. I'm just thinking it, that's that I, I I know that's obvious. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't need to say that. It's because then there's the scene, there's the scene where he thinks he's lost. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Jessup gets up and walks off. Thanks. I've, you know, I love Washington. It's really good. And I think without the Galloway statement, uh, you know, five minutes earlier, I think that seems more powerful because in my mind, I'm not sure whether Kathy is going to do it. But because Galloway said that. I know he's going to have that moment where he stops, he thinks, and then he's oh, going to get on with it. And I can still admire the structure and I can still admire the screen, the, the script writing, but it just takes that tension away a little bit. I'm What I'm doing is I'm enjoying the theatricality of it rather than the tension. It's true, because that's that's the third warning he has. Well, it's the third person who says it, because first Ross warns him not to do it in the bar. Yeah, then yeah. Kathy himself illustrates what would happen if he did do it. Yeah. And then Galloway says again, I suppose if if she doesn't do it, then Demi Moore really doesn't have anything to do in the final scene. Maybe not, but, but she hasn't done it up to that point. And no. I'm thinking, why do it then just as he's about to go in? God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I get your point. In fact, to me, yeah, the, the, the drama of the final moment is not those final that final moment when he admits the code red, it's when he's deciding to go for it or not because he's actually drinking an enormous glass of water and yeah. stealing his nerve. And, and that's the moment I think this is make or break. But I can I can work that out. Yeah. You know, I can work out what he's doing there. He's he it's that all is lost moment. Yeah. But no, he I, I can almost see in his, in his head he's going, you know what? Bugger it, I'm gonna do this. Right. Let's go. But yeah, maybe maybe at that moment, had you not had the gallery scene, he could just looked at her and a small yeah. shake of the head. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because it's at the point that it's happening then. Which is going, you haven't got him. 
Yeah, Get back off, back off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This but, you know, they're, they're, they're foibles, but I think it's the difference between something that, for me, will go down in the ages and something that is actually really rip-roaring entertainment. Here's a detail in the script, too. And this is, yeah. this is having seen this many times and knowing exactly who everyone is and what they do, yeah. um, I still think it's a problem, is actually... Um, JT Walsh's Markinson, and it's not his depiction of him. Mm. I don't think he gets enough that we mm. realise how important he is because he's he's in the scene when they're, they're all plotting to to train Santiago, and he's yep. at the lunch, but he's not he's not noticeable lunch because you, all eyes are on you know, yeah. Jessup yeah. and Catherine Galloway to some extent. He's he's not really there, but the next you know the next scene is when they're all back in Washington doing things. He's gone missing. Someone comes along and goes, Markinson's gone missing, and yeah. it's like. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. And, and then suddenly we, we suddenly we know he's a count he's a he's a counter espionage person. Yeah, when you oh, first I didn't know that yeah, when you first see the scene, you're 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 trying to the math about which one was Markinson? Was he, yeah. Because you know, Jessup, yeah. Kendrick, Markinson, you don't know who these characters are, you know who the actors yeah. are. So they, when you see them, you know who they are. So yeah, and, and also you, I didn't see enough of Markinson to think, is this where he cracks and and disappears? Yeah, like, yeah. You almost want that scene where he decides to leave the base. Yeah, or some, maybe he. You need him to walk in like this because he, he does because he's racked with guilt. Basically, he does because he's racked yeah. with guilt, and he and he. But yeah, you need something either with him docked in the flight logs or him just you know, standing in Santiago's empty room. Yeah, realizing the yeah. You need something to realize a this is Markinson, mm. and b he feels awful about it, bad enough to desert his post and go on the run. Yeah. Um, and also see you also need to know that Markinson is important because. They know Cat Jessup's important, and they know that Kendrick, the lieutenant in command, is important. No one's going. Markinson's the key. If we get Markinson, no, nobody's so, saying that until it almost until it happens. Yeah, so it is a bit yeah. like this thing has happened and it's important. He's and he's there to give him another all his lost moment. He's there to give him information that the you know he's like the deep folks. He's like the flight dogs were the flight logs were doctored. You need yeah. to follow the follow the, follow the flights. Yeah. And he also kills himself, um, which again brings it brings them into despair. But, but he kills himself, and it doesn't help, does it? You know, it doesn't help. It makes things worse. Oh no, he did. He, you know, he didn't do it to help. He did it because no, he, he's that's, that's, Yeah, that, he, he's, there, he's there to show. He's there to, to give them that final kick, saying we've got to subpoena Jessup or it's all over. Because they thought with Markinson, yeah. they said it should be enough. So they, they when they're in trial, they do mention how important he's with Markinson and the flight logs. That should be enough. We should have enough to win. Yeah. But before that, yeah, that was a bit of a problem for me because I had to I had to work backwards. So all while while the plot was driving forwards, I had to do some sums in my head, thinking that's Markinson, and I guess he's important yeah. because he's the XO and blah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah, and I, I wonder whether that's um that might be a hangover of some of the changes to the script that took place so what i'm what i am rudimentarily aware of is that william golding did a did a a, a version of the script in conjunction with sorkin just to help out a little bit basically okay. and, and rob reiner and persuaded sorkin to change a few bits of the structure of the film as compared to the play one of which was in the play a lot more attention is given to a doctoring of the flights uh, whereas whereas in the film it it kind of it's not about that is it it ultimately it's about the code red yes yeah it's just about the code red in the end whereas in the play it was much more about the conspiracy of yeah. the shift the change and that's where i think perhaps the mark the markinson character has been lost in translation a bit that they've, makes kept, sense. they've almost kept the character, but they've lost his drive, his impetus. Yeah, because in, in terms of the the um, the the I guess the the reality, it is the cover up that's worse than the crime. It is, yeah. Um, but it's the crime. It, but it's the crime yeah. that is it's crime that gets Jessup. Because well, I was thinking in this is that you know Jessup wouldn't actually 
order the code read. He, um, not that he wouldn't want to, or he wouldn't think it'd be done, but you'd never. He would tell. He basically say to Kendrick, "Sort it out." Yeah, and Kendrick would probably do. go to his men saying, "Sort it out," yeah. and no one would say, "I'm explicitly ordered to give a code red." Jess wouldn't say, "Stuff a rag in his mouth and tape right. it up," because because. That they would all understand. I say it's, it's follow the crowd at chow time. Yeah. Jessup would just have to say sort it out. Kendrick yeah. would say sort it out, and it would get sorted out. So in a way, he it's that was the thing that did strike me. Saying, I don't think he would order the code. He's almost admitted something he wouldn't do. And again, is is that is that his downfall? Whereas the the doctored flight logs is huge. <laughs> if you're yeah, if you're falsifying evidence to cover up a murder, then you are in trouble. Yeah, you are. Um... But, but it's, yeah, not, I it's agree. not dramatic. I you, it's, you, no, it isn't. That's the problem. It's not yeah. dramatic, which is probably why, you know, um, William Golding, you know, is is as good as he is. It's the correct recommendation to drop yeah. the doctored flight logs, isn't yeah, it? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think you, you get that dramatic moment saying, you want the doctored flight logs? I think I'm entitled. <laughs> you want the doctored flight logs? I want you the You can't handle pages. the doctored flight logs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um final thing for me to say on, on a, a few good men is um it's up and you know in in the um seven films that we um uh, reviewed as part of weekend at Crombies 2 for the rob reiner run um it is the most expensive of those seven cost 40 million dollars to make actually double the cost of the next most expensive which was misery but it made 243 million dollars back it was but oddly and um I'm surprised. I'm very surprised at this. It was only the fifth biggest grossing film of 1992. Really? Was 92 the year of Jurassic Park? I think no. That was 93. Oh, was um, it? so but yeah. So it was oh, fifth. Yeah, so who, let, who let's beat have, it? Let's have a list of the films that were more successful than A Few Good Men in terms of box office. At so it's it's number fifth. At number four, Lethal Weapon three. Oh, good God. <laughs> I know it gets worse. Uh, number three, yeah, Batman, I know I've seen Lethal Weapon four and five. <laughs> Batman Returns. Um, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, at number two, Home Alone two, Lost oh in New York. God. And perhaps yeah, this one isn't so much of a surprise. Number one is Aladdin. Um, okay. You know, you can see that. But yeah, so it was it was hugely successful. But I think it's become a more more of a cultural phenomenon than Lethal Weapon three. Batman Returns and Home Alone 2, maybe not Aladdin, perhaps, but yeah, um, but, no, but I mean, yeah, that that final scene again, you you hadn't even seen the film and you knew it. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I knew, yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you were going to say, yeah, I mean, young Tom Cruise films that that stand the test of time, this is one of them. It is for me. For me, it's probably this and Top Gun that. Ha, that set him up as a Hollywood superstar. Yeah, really. I mean, oh, you know, very successful other films, but these two at that at that stage in his career, uh, Top Top Gun established him as a Hollywood heartthrob. I think that kind of action hero. This established him as an actor. Yes, that's fair enough. Um, so, yes, yeah, so what was his before and afters of this then? Well, should we have a look? Shall we? Yes, let's have a Man looks things up on the internet. Tom <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cruise. And, you know, I rate Tom Cruise. I think uh, he makes he makes some duds. Don't get me wrong. But um, I can't I can't fault his dedication. Uh, yes, yeah, his, work, his work ethic. I quite like him. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm keen on his um, politics or his kind of religious affiliations because he's a he's a member of Scientology, isn't he? Let's separate but, the um, art from the artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah never watch anything. And you have to, don't you? You have to. So, um, 
let's have a look. So uh, what have we got here? Oh, OK. All right. So I, I may be I'm slightly being unfair on him here, actually. So uh, the four films previous to this one um, going in chronological order, earliest to closest to a few good men. Rain Man. OK. Uh, Born on the 4th of July, Oscar nomination yeah. um, for that one. Days of Thunder and Far and Away. Let's ignore Far and Away, perhaps. I like Far that. and Away. I don't mind it, but I don't think that is his finest acting hour. No, so no it's, it's, it's not his finest accent. It isn't. But, I mean, Days of Thunder, possibly. I like Days of Thunder. It's, 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 yeah. it's um, to stop but going along with cars. But Born, <laughs> it is. Born on the 4th of July and Rain Man, I think yeah. are examples of him unleashing the shackles of his Hollywood action hero heartthrob type role. Now, if you look at the films directly after Top Gun, he did The Colour of Money, Young Guns and Cocktail. Um, he didn't so, do Young Guns. He did he Top Gun. In, no, after Top Gun, he did Young Guns. He did not do Young Guns. He was in Young Guns, yeah. Which bibliography are you looking at now? He did not do Young Guns. Tom Cruise is in Young Guns. It he was, it was plays, during this plays, episode. Go he on. plays shol- soldier who gets shot uncredited. How <laughs> 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 He was in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but before Top Gun, he was in The Outsiders, Risky Business, All the Right Moves and Legend. Very, very, you know, youthful appearances. So, you know, directly after A Few Good Men, he's in another legal kind of film, I guess, The Firm. Then interview with the vampire. Then we get into Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, etc. Yeah, so that's yes. When it's um, it's kind of Jerry Maguire was going to another watershed in it, wasn't it? That was uh, I think so. Yeah, that I was think a so. different kind of again. He wasn't have to shout at people so much. But yeah, so okay. if, if I if I were to reassess that, then I would say it's 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 Top Rain Gun, Man. It's Top Gun, Rain Man, A Few Good Men, and then Jerry Maguire as the real shifts. Yeah, yeah. I think very good. good. Yeah, so um. Any more to think? Okay, we, uh, we, we've eschewed our traditional format of, of synopsis break and uh, and, and uh, analysis, but I'm sure our listeners are, are sturdy enough now to uh, to have lived with it. I'm sure uh, they am. I'm shall sure we, they are. Any more to say on A Few Good Men? Should we give it some scores? Well, I have one other thing to say about oh, A Few Good Men. I'm sorry, this is, this is belaboring <laughs> the point here, but um, it, it, oddly, its world premiere, right, was at the Odeon Cinema in Manchester on the de- December the 11th, 1992. And why was that? Is that? Was I have Tom, absolutely was no film? idea. Why is that? That's <laughs> weird, isn't it? That is weird. <laughs> but there we go. Anyway, so that's it. Should we do the scores on the doors? Let's do the scores on the doors. Okay. Would you like to go first? I will. Um, so, I mean, look, you know, uh, this is an incredibly entertaining film. Um, I, I was thinking... Um, God, do I really, you know, do I really want to watch a film where I've not seen before, but I kind of know everything about? Uh, well, the answer is yes, as it happens. It was really, really entertaining. I was thoroughly enjoyed by it. Uh, it look, you know, two aspects. Well, there's three aspects to this. The the, the Rainer, the Rainer directorial ship. Um, it, it is a good example of him telling a really good story in a simple way. The Sorkin script. I don't think it's up there with the best, um, but it is. When it hits its height, oh my goodness me, it's fantastic. And the cast is pretty much second to none. Um, I, I'm going to give it four disembodied Crombie heads because if I'm comparing it to the pinnacle of Sorkin, it's the social network. And the social network is a classic for the ages. This is pure entertainment. It's a four, four disembodied Crombie heads for me. Very good. 
for myself, um, I've seen this film many, many times. It's one of the ones I ended up taping off the telly and in my youth and just had it on a repeat. <laughs> I think it's an absolute stone cold classic. I, like flaws I can see on repeat viewing are, are there to see, but it's just so well structured and you know two and a half hours or two hours 20 they zip by um it's you know the first hour is all build up and the second hour is all trial it's just so well done uh really enjoyed it again for the reviewing um hadn't realized it was sorkin's first script didn't even know it was a rob reiner film um but um yeah uh, well done all i'm gonna give it five disembodied wow brilliant brilliant yeah now i was teetering on a five um yeah. but if i'm giving this a f if i if i gave the social network a five and i know they're yeah. different films but th this isn't up this isn't at that level for me but it's damn close yeah see that's very interesting again because you you'd never seen it before so you came no, to it literally with fresh eyes yes i had and maybe the flaws were i could see myself watching this again and it going up in my estimation do you know what i mean i, yeah. I can i can i kind of wish i'd seen it a long time ago i don't know why i held off watching it um really but there we go right well and with that comes to the end our rob reiner run oh what are we going to do what are we going to do next year <laughs> what are we going to do for weekend at Crombies three not seven films I don't think we can do seven films again. <laughs> we definitely loaded too much on our plate this time. Oh, we did. We did. Oh, my goodness me. It's been fun, though, hasn't it? And I've enjoyed ah, the company yeah. of Rob Reiner. Indeed, yes. It was, a, it was an unusual but a very welcome pick. I think it's one of those. He's one of those directors where if you named those seven films, this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery and A Few Good Men, I wouldn't necessarily have known that he'd have directed any of those. Yeah. But he directed all of them. So there you go. No, you'd probably think someone's picked their top seven films. It's an eclectic mix. It's from the <laughs> 80s, but fair enough. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. You wouldn't think, God, this guy's a Rob Reiner um, <laughs> fan, would you? <laughs> a Reinhead, a rhinestone a cowboy. <laughs> Oh, very good, very good. And with that little sparkle, we shall uh, we shall say thank you again for bearing with us for Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold. I do hope you'll join us next year for whatever we manage to concoct. Um, I, I, I can hardly wait to see what James will come up with next year. Uh, but until then... <laughs> this isn't all on me. Yeah, it is. You've picked the last two. <laughs> well, you pick one then. <laughs> no, I can't. the stakes are too high. I can't, I can't match it. <laughs> if I pick one, we're going to watch four Transformers films. You know what? I'm going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. One will be the cartoon and one will be Bumblebee. So at least two of them will be good. Oh, that's true. Okay. Notwithstanding, we will be Transformers films. Rest easy. Don't leave us, uh, 12 <laughs> listeners. Um, but um, I do hope that until we, you hear from us again, you have a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Welcome back, dear listener, to Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, part seven in our <laughs> Rob Reiner run. Oh. I am Hugh. I'm sorry I lost you your set of steak knives. And I am Dr. James Evans Esquire. I'm sorry I lost you your set of steak knives. <laughs> Is that what we took from the film? <laughs> in a film that has the truth, you can't handle the truth. We chose, the I'm sorry I lost you your film set of steak possibly watch <laughs> Pen by Aaron Sorkin and we both pick up on the steak knives line. <laughs> it's a great line because it references something much earlier in the film. Do you know what? That was almost going to be my other thing I was going to say. I, I, one more and I get a set of steak knives. That would have been a wonderful kind of uh, couplet. Oh, it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right, actually. Oh, yeah, that's true. Shall we do that? We, we can twelve space and time here. Oh, 
Shall we? Should we go next? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> yeah, go on, let's do it. <laughs> no, I think this is cheating. It's only us that listens to it. Well, <laughs> Matt, I tell you what, we're allowed you to do won't that. remember because it's no. coming out like Christmas. Oh, well, that's think true. That was clever. Yeah, I tell you what, we'll do it if at the end yeah. you have the original <laughs> okay. statement. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you have this conversation. Okay. <laughs>